Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Andy. Thank you, praise team. Thank you, church. You know, sometimes I forget that I have to preach, and I sing kind of loud, and I wear my voice out. I had to remind myself. I had to take a deep breath there those last couple of verses, Brother Andy, and remind myself I've got to preach. And so, uh, but there's nothing wrong with that, right? Listen, I think sometimes we ought to lose our voice praising God. Amen? We can lose our voice at the ball game praying, praising our kids, right? Praising our teams. Why can't we lose our voice praising our God? We should. And I, I'm going to tell you, that's what the message is all about this morning. It's about praise. We're going to look at Hannah's praise. So I want you to turn to that Old Testament book of the Bible, 1 Samuel. Uh, if you'll go look, you'll find the book of Judges, and then you'll find the book of Ruth, and then you'll find the book of 1 Samuel. So turn there, 1 Samuel chapter 2. That's where we're going to be in God's Word this morning. You know from Genesis all the way up to this book of the Bible, 1 Samuel chapter 1 uh, and chapter 2. What we've seen God do is God has raised up leaders. He has raised up leaders, and what He wanted those leaders to do is He wanted Him. He wanted them to know Him intimately. He wanted them to be in relationship with Him, so that those leaders could then go and lead people in a godly way. Leaders of God are supposed to lead people to God. Uh, leaders who are godly, their purpose is to pour out unto others so that they might know God and be in personal and intimate relationship with Him. And so that's what God has done. Now, if you read the book of Judges, what you're going to find out is that not all those leaders were godly. You're going to find out they had problems. They had many problems. And so those problems can all come back to one word, and it's called sin, right? Not only do leaders have a problem with sin, but the people following leaders have their own problems with sin. Sin has broken us. It has broken our world. And it has broken fellowship and relationship with God. And so God raised up these leaders. And what we see is in 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel even, when you look at these two books of the Bible, well, which in reality were one book in the Hebrew language, um, these books of the Bible, 1 and 2 Samuel, what they serve as, they serve as a transitional phase. And so this time in Israel's history, they are going to move from the era of judges into what is known as the era of kings. That's what we're getting to. As a matter of fact, 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, if you really wanted to point out uh, who is it about, first of all, let me just tell you, the main character is God. It's who God is, and it's what God is going to do to and through His people. But if you point out people in the Bible, obviously you come to the prophet and the priest and really um, the leader. He was the last judge, if you will, Samuel. And we're going to get to Samuel, okay? But right now we're talking about Hannah, his mama. And last week we looked at Hannah. And Hannah, if you look at her, she is a woman who loves God. She is a woman who is known for worshiping God and praying to God. But she's also known as a woman of praise. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. When, I, when I've been studying this passage of Scripture, when I've been looking at 1 Samuel chapter 1 and 1 Samuel chapter 2, if you were to come in my office, what you would hear is you would hear some worship music being played. And there's a song that I like to listen to uh, when I'm praying and when I'm studying this passage of Scripture. It's a song by Brandon Lake. You might know this song. It's called, We Praise You. I want to just read you uh, the first few lyrics from that song. Listen to what Brandon Lake says in his song, We Praise You. He says, let praise be a weapon 
that silences the enemy. Let praise be a weapon that conquers all anxiety. Let it rise. Let praise arise. We sing your name in the dark and it changes everything. We sing with all we are and we claim your victory. Let it rise. Let praise arise. Listen to this. He sings, we'll see you break down every wall. We'll see all of the giants fall. Fear cannot survive. Don't you love that? He says, fear cannot survive when we praise you. The God of breakthroughs is on our side. Forever lift him high. With all creation we cry, God, we praise you. Oh, we praise you. I'm going to tell you, that's a powerful, powerful song. I love when he says, fear cannot survive when we praise you. Anybody in here ever been overcome with fear before? Right? Maybe right now, right? You're still fighting that battle of fear. Maybe it's a physical fear. Maybe it's an emotional fear. Maybe it's a relational fear. Hey, maybe it's a spiritual fear. I I love what Brandon Lake says. He says, fear can't survive when you're praising God. See, when your focus is on God, and when you are praising God, nothing else matters. Circumstances, surroundings, right? None of that matters when your focus is on God and who He is. I love this because in 1 Samuel chapter 2, we get to see a vivid demonstration of praise because Hannah, she responds to God's goodness to her with a prayer of praise. The Holman Bible Dictionary, you know, I'm going to talk about praise a lot, so I want to make sure you understand exactly what praise is. The Holman Bible Dictionary says this about praise. Humanity's response to God's revelation of Himself is praise. Humanity's response, right, to God's revelation of Himself is praise. Praise comes from the Latin word that means value. Do you understand what you're doing when you praise God? You're you're lifting Him up and you're recognizing the value that God has in your life. Dr. Tony Evans, I love this, Dr. Tony Evans, he was preaching a sermon, and I was running and listening to this sermon, and uh, I had to go home, and when I went home, I had to make some notes. I had to go back and listen to it again. And so Dr. Tony Evans says this about praise. He says, praise is our adoration for God expressed from our hearts. Adoration expressed. Love expressed for God. It comes from the heart. He goes on and listen to what he says about praise. Praise is the visible and verbal. Did you hear that? It's visible and verbal. It's a declaration from our hearts regarding the value. There's that word, the Latin word for praise, value, regarding the value of who God is, what God has done, and what we trust God to do. I love this because in his sermon he says, you know what you can do silently? You can pray silently. You know what else you can do? You can worship silently. You can. You know what you can't do? You can't praise silently. You can't. Praise is visible and verbal. It is adoration expressed. It's not adoration contained. It's adoration unleashed. It is expressed. 
And so when we praise God, it is visible and it is verbal. And Hannah is a woman who does that. If you'll remember, last week in 1 Samuel chapter 1, Eli the priest was sitting at his post. And he looked at Hannah, and if you'll remember, Hannah was praying, but he couldn't hear anything, could he? He couldn't hear anything. All he saw was her lips moving. He couldn't hear her prayer because her prayer was silent. He couldn't hear her worship because in that moment, her worship was silent. And if you'll remember, Eli thought she was drunk. He, he told her, he said, girl, go home and get sober and then come back and, and pray and worship. And she said, no, 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 I'm not drunk. I'm pouring out my heart to God. Well, she poured out her heart in prayer and worship silently in that moment. But guess what? It ain't going to be silent no more. It ain't going to be silent no more because in chapter 2, she is verbal and visible. Let's look at it. 1 Samuel chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. It says, Then Hannah prayed and said. Notice it says, prayed and said. That means this is not silent. When it says she said, that means she was verbal. She was speaking out loud. It says, Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock. Like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows, and by him deeds are weighed. The bows of the warriors are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength. Those who were full, right? Those who were full hire themselves out for food, but those who were hungry, look at this, those who were hungry, are hungry no more. She who was barren has borne seven children, but she who has had many sons pines away. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and He exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. On them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants, but the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The Most High will thunder from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king. Oh, what a beautiful passage right here. Verse 10. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. And then Elkanah went home to Ramah, but the boy ministered before the Lord under Eli the priest. So where do we find ourselves in 1 Samuel chapter 2? Well, if you'll remember, in 1 Samuel chapter 1... Hannah prayed. She prayed to the Lord for a child. 
She wanted a child, and she wanted a child that she could give back to God. She made a vow that if you give me a child, I'll give my child back to you in faithful service to you for all of his life. She had made a vow. And if you'll remember, she prayed and she worshiped. And listen, Hannah actually left that place believing that she had done all that she could do, and then she was trusting God to do what he wanted to do. And so now we come to this place, and Hannah has had a son. Uh, Chapter 1 ends with her having a son, and she named him Samuel. And the Bible tells us that she took him to Eli the priest, and that he would minister before the Lord there under Eli the priest. And so that's where we find ourselves right here in 1 Samuel chapter 2. So can you imagine, moms especially, can you imagine, right? You've had this baby boy, and you've nursed this baby boy. He's possibly anywhere between two to three years old, and you're dropping him off to be with Eli the priest, and you might get to see him once a year when you come back to this place to worship, or you might not. Can you imagine that? Do you think maybe you'd be just a little heartbroken? You think maybe you'd just be suffering a little bit because you're about to walk away from your son? I I, I think so. And so what we see here in this passage, and this is what makes it so beautiful, did you know that these are the last recorded words that we hear from Hannah? We will not hear her voice again. But did you hear heartache and pain and grief in this prayer? No, you did not. What you heard was praise. That's what you heard. And so these words, right, her prayer of praise, they're the overflow of her heart. They're the overflow of her heart. They're powerful words. And her focus is not on her son Samuel. Her focus is on God who is good all the time. Amen? That's who her focus is on. And so she's not praising Samuel. She's not praising Eli the priest. She's not praising the opportunity for her son to be in the Lord's service. She's praising God. She's praising God for who he is, for what he has done in her life and what she trusts him to keep on doing. She has experienced the goodness of God, and she can't help but give him praise. So how did she praise God? There's several ways that she praised God in these ten verses. Number one, Hannah praised God for his deliverance. We see that right off the bat in the very first verse. She praised God for deliverance. For her personally, right? For her personally, she had been delivered from shame to joy. We've already seen it. She's been delivered from shame to joy. Right off the bat, she says what? My heart rejoices in you, God. My heart rejoices in you. And here's the thing. I don't want you to miss this because this is not superficial deliverance. She's not just praising God for delivering her from shame to joy. She says, I'm praising you for your deliverance. This is more than emotional deliverance. This is overall deliverance. She is praising God for her spiritual deliverance as well. You might say, well, where does that come from? Well, If you look at it, the word deliverance in the Hebrew language, do you know what it means? It means salvation. It means salvation. And so she praises God for his deliverance, but what she's doing is she's praising God for his salvation. And so this was not just physical. This was not just social and emotional. This was a spiritual act of worship, a spiritual act of worship. She recognized who she was 
before God Almighty. She needed God. She needed deliverance. She needed salvation, not just from shame to joy. She needed to be God's child. And she recognized that God did that, that God delivered her. God saved her. And then she focuses on God's holiness. So she gives God praise for his holiness. We see that in verse 2. The word holy in the Hebrew language, it's the word kados. And what that word kados means in the Hebrew language, so when you say God is holy, what that means is that he is completely pure. He is completely perfect. It means absolute separation from wickedness and evil. So when she cries out, God, you are holy. Lord, you are holy like no other. It's truth. He is completely separate from all evil and from all wickedness and from all darkness. He is light. He is life. He is purity. He is perfect. She actually uses a word that Moses used in his song in Deuteronomy chapter 32. Now, I don't have time to read that whole passage, but yeah, Moses sang a song of praise too. In Deuteronomy chapter 32, here's what she says. She says, there is no rock like our God. Do you see that? She uses that word rock. Well, that word rock, it means a firm foundation. A foundation that cannot be shaken. A foundation that cannot be destroyed. God is her rock. He is her firm foundation. So Moses, I'm going to read one verse to you, okay? Moses said this, he said, he is our rock, his works are perfect, and all his ways are just. He is a faithful God who does no wrong. He is upright, he is just. That's what the Bible says, Deuteronomy chapter 32. Moses' song, it's about the rock, the firm foundation, God. And now Hannah, she's actually quoting scripture, she's actually quoting, right, quoting scripture by saying that God is her rock. And listen, I love this because it talks about God being upright and just. Don't you see it? Hannah praises God for his justice. She praises God for his justice. As a matter of fact, we see this through several verses. The Lord is aware of arrogance and pride. That's why she said, hey, don't speak arrogantly. Don't speak pridefully. And and listen, she might have had Penina in mind because guess what Penina did? Penina provoked her year after year after year. Penina took pride in the fact that she had many children and Hannah had none. Maybe Hannah had that in mind, but maybe Hannah was also saying, hey, Hannah, you better check yourself, right? Before you point a finger at somebody else, you better be thinking, hey, I can fall just as quickly. Hannah might have been saying, I don't want to be arrogant and I don't want to be prideful. Why? Because God is just He is just. She recognizes, right, that he humbles those who are exalted and he exalts those who are humble. He can do this. Why? Because he is holy. There's none like him. He is separate. He is separate of all evil and wickedness. He can do this. Why? Because he is just. He is perfect. He is right. She recognizes and embraces this truth. And here's what she says. When she recognizes God, his justice She says, the Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He is the only one who can do that. Not only does Hannah recognize his justice, not only does she praise him for his justice, she praises God for his strength. And we see this throughout the prayer. 
she recognizes the strength of God. She recognizes that she has no strength unless God gives it to her. It is God, right, who strengthens the weak and weakens the strong. The Bible says that he breaks the bows of the mightiest warriors. The Bible says, and she says in her prayer of praise, that it is God who gives life and it is God who can take life away. That's the strength of God. That's not the strength of man. That's the strength of God. He can make weak the strong, but he can make strong the weak. And guess what he did with Hannah? He made her strong. She's praising God out of the strength that God gave her. That's amazing to me. Not only does she praise him for his strength, she praises him for his guidance. Praise God for his guidance. The Bible says the Lord will guard the feet of his faithful servants. That's her voice. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants. How, do, how does God guard our feet? I'll tell you how. He lights our way. He lights our way. Anybody ever got up in the dark and stubbed your toe? Right? Any, anybody ever just stubbed your toe and thought you were going to die? Right? Because you, you, you bruised your little toe? That, that's a painful thing, isn't it, when you stub your little toe? Or when you break the toenail of your big toe? Anybody ever done that? Yeah. And listen, how stupid are we for walking in the dark knowing we're going to do it? Like, like, how many times have you done it? Has anybody done it more than once? More than twice? More than ten times? Somebody's like, keep going, Brother Jeff, keep going. Yeah, we keep doing the same old thing. We think we can walk in the dark. We think even in our own house, we know where every corner is, every cabinet is, and we're going to miss it. And guess what? We don't. We run right into it. Listen, when you walk in the dark, you're going to stumble. When you walk in the dark, you're going to fall. You know what you need? You need light. You need light so that you can see. Listen, God will, God will guard your feet by the light that he gives you. He will light your path. He will show you where to go. He will show you when to move and when to be still. That's how guard that's how God guards our feet. And so he is our guidance. And Hannah says, thank you, God, for guiding me, for being my guidance. And then, man, if it can't get any better, you come to verse 10. I'm going to tell you, I spent a whole day on verse 10, a whole day, just reading, praying, and studying, because verse 10 is beautiful, and it's amazing. I've said this many times, and I love to prove it. Every book of the Bible, every chapter of every book in the Bible, and every verse of every chapter of every book in the Bible points to Jesus Christ. It is all about Jesus Christ. You may not see the name Jesus. Oh, but I do. I see it. I see it when she says, your king, God. Your anointed one, God. She's pointing to Jesus. This is so good. Hannah praises God. She praises God for the hope that she has in the king who is coming. And this is what's so amazing. How many kings did Israel have at this time? None. They had never had a king at this time. They had only had judges. And yet she's using king in her prayer of praise. She ain't talking about some manly king that lives on the earth in this country or that country. She's talking about the king of kings, the Lord of lords, who is Jesus Christ, the anointed one, the king who will come 
at God's appointed time. That's her hope. Her hope is in the King who is Jesus Christ. Listen to this. I love Pastor J.D. Greer. And I was listening to one of his sermons, and I wrote this down as well. He said, Hannah saw her God. She experienced her God, and it changed her. Hannah saw her God. She experienced her God. See, it's not just knowledge about. It's experiential. She experienced her God, and it changed her. It changed everything. Only encounters. This is Pastor J.D. Grish, not me, but I, I love it. He says it better than I can. He says, only encounters with the living Almighty God in worship can enable us to have a radical shift of our perspective. Would you say that from the beginning of chapter 1 to the beginning of chapter 2, there was a radical shift in Hannah's perspective? Oh, I think it was. We see a whole different woman, right? Then the beginning of chapter 1, as she prayed and worshipped and she began to let loose and give God all of who she was, we see a different woman in chapter 2. We see a woman who's praising God and she's fixing to walk away from her son. He says, only encounters with the living Almighty God in worship enable us to have a radical shift in our perspective. Hannah's singular focus on her God enables her to sing of deliverance and sing of the future hope of her Messiah. That's pretty good. The only way she could know about a King of kings and a Lord of lords is if God himself gave that to her. He gave that to her. His spirit led her to speak what he was filling her heart up with. This is so good. Hannah's praise. It leads me to ask myself a question. I, I want to go backwards, okay? Dr. Tony Evans says that you can pray silently and you can worship silently, but you can't pray silently. He said, praise is what? Adoration expressed. Everybody say that with me. Praise is what? Adoration expressed. Adoration is just a big, long word for love. Right? So praise is adoration expressed. Say it one more time. Adoration expressed. What is praise? It's what you just did. It's verbal. You know what else? It's visible. I saw you. I saw some of you with a smile on your face doing it. Right? It's visible and it's verbal. Let me tell you something. If you go backwards, if you go backwards into chapter 1, when Hannah was barren, when she was empty in her womb and did not have a child, and she poured it out to God, before God even told her what he was going to do, the Bible says she turned around and she ate something and her face, don't miss this, it said her face was no longer what? Downcast. Her face was no longer downcast. You know what that is? That's a visible demonstration of adoration. She gave her heart to God. She gave her worries, her anxieties, her shame, her fear, her disappointment. She gave it to God and said, God, I trust you. Whatever you decide, you got it now. I'm going to walk away. And she walked away and she ate something which she had not been doing. And she walked away, I believe, with a smile on her face. 
because that's the opposite of downcast. Some of us sit in this building and we look like death is on us. I'm sorry if that offends you. No, I'm not. Some of us, we come in this place and it's like a funeral full of grief. Listen to me. You may be hurting. I'm going to tell you something. I'm hurting too. I got some disappointment I'm dealing with. I got some anxiety I'm dealing with too. But how dare me sitting here with my little soupy, droopy face and I'm in front of Almighty God who's got me in His hands. God's got me in His hands. And I'm not saying it's wrong to be sad. I'm not saying it's wrong to be downcast. I am saying it's wrong to camp out in it. You need to pull the tent up and throw it in the trash. And you need to turn around and move forward with God. We need to be a people of praise. Praise to God regardless of the surroundings and the circumstances and the news we get. We need to be a people of praise. So that leads me to this question. Am I giving? Am I? Is Jeff giving God his rightful praise with his life and his lips? You ask yourself that question. Am I giving God his rightful praise? And I'm going I'm to use that word, rightful praise. God deserves your praise. And it ain't got nothing to do with your bank account, your job, your spouse, your children. It ain't got nothing to do with any of that. It ain't even got anything to do with your health. Am I giving God his rightful praise with my life and with my lips? Because I'm going to tell you, praise is not silent. Praise is not quiet. Praise is adoration expressed. It is love unleashed. That's what it is. Guess where praise begins? You know where praise begins? It's real simple. Your heart. Praise begins in your heart. But praise can't stay there. Praise is like a wild beast that you can't, can't, can't contain. Praise is the wild beast that you can't cage. I used to, when I was a kid, I used to love that movie, King Kong. Anybody like old King Kong? Right? They're making some new ones now, and I, I like them too. I just like King Kong. I just like it when he beats his chest and lets the world know who's boss, right? All right? He's wrong, but anyway, it's still kind of cool to watch. But here's what I've known. They've tried to lock him up, sedate him. They've tried to knock him down and knock him out. And guess what? They can't. They can't stop him. The dude just keeps on ticking and keeps on whipping, right? My praise ought to be like King Kong. You can't cage it. You can't sedate it. You can't keep it down. Why? Because God has done something to my heart. He's changed it. He's taken the heart of stone that I used to possess in my sin, and he's replaced it with a heart of flesh that he has his hands on, that he is forming and shaping and squeezing and fashioning. It's alive. And so... My praise, right? It begins in my heart, but it's got to overflow from my life and from my lips. So can others see joy in my life regardless of my circumstances? Can others hear the praise from my lips regardless of my circumstances? Remember, Hannah prayed to God. She worshiped God, 
And she surrendered to God. And because she was surrendered to God, (laughs) she praised him. She praised him. Will you trust God to do what only he can do? Will you trust God to do what only he can do? Will you rest in God's goodness? And God's goodness is not defined by you. And God's goodness is not determined by your circumstances or your surroundings. God is good because he's always good. God is good, right, all the time. And that doesn't depend on who's sitting in the White House. And that don't depend on who's got the most nukes. And that don't depend on anything man says. That's who God is. A lot of times our fear and our anxiety is self-inflicted. It's self-inflicted because we're relying on and trusting in things of this world to sustain us and fulfill us when nothing in this world can sustain us or fulfill us, only God. So I'm going to ask you a question. Will you praise God today? Will you praise God today? I'll tell you what, I'm fixing to give you an opportunity. God's fixing to give you an opportunity. Brother Andy and the praise team, they're going to come, and they're going to lead us in worship, but they're going to do more than that. They're going to lead us in an opportunity to praise. Now listen to me, you might need to come and pray silently. You might need to stand where you are and worship silently. But you can't pray silently. So once you've prayed and once you've worshipped a little bit, continue your worship by praising God. Open your mouth. Listen, ain't nobody here saying uglier than me. I got scars on my vocal cords because all that coaching I did, I can't sing no more to please you. Matter of fact, I probably couldn't sing before to please you, but I thought I could, so that made a difference. And so I tried. Well, now I don't even try to sing in front of you no more because I know better, right? I know the truth, and that truth has set me free. But I'm going to sing as loud as I can to God because he inhabits the praise of his people. Don't take my word for it. Go look at the Psalms. He inhabits, he dwells in the praise of his people. So if you ain't giving God praise, good luck. Good luck with those circumstances. Good luck with those surroundings. Good luck with whatever or whoever you're relying on. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, it will fail. It will fail. And you'll keep reaching, and you'll keep grabbing, and you'll keep chasing, and it'll always come up empty. You'll never be satisfied. You want to know why? Because there's only one who can satisfy your soul, and his name is Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. God, thank you for this word that I needed today. If this room would have been empty, I still needed this message today from me, God. Because I have found many, many times, many, many times my praise is dependent. It's dependent upon good circumstances, good surroundings, and good news. And shame on me, God, because you are always good. And your goodness does not depend upon circumstances and surroundings. God, you are not dependent upon anything or anyone. You are always good. And Father God, my praise should not be dependent upon anything or anyone. 
including surroundings and circumstances. My praise is always on you and for you. And so, God, when my singular focus, like Hannah's was, when my singular focus is on who you are and what you have done and what you are doing and what you're going to do, you are my deliverance. You are my salvation. Oh, God, you are holy. You are just. And, God, you are my guidance. You guide me. You lead me. And, God, you are my strength. When I am so weak, you are my strength. And, oh, God, you are my hope. Because when everything else fails and everything else falls apart, Jesus never does. He is always with me. He is always for me. Because of Jesus, I can cry out, Abba, Father, and you hear me. Because of Jesus, I know what your word says about me. Your word says that I am your chosen. I am a royal priesthood. I am your ambassador. I am your special possession. Your word tells me that I belong to you. That you gave me a name. You say to me in Isaiah 43, you are mine. You remind me in Isaiah 43 that when I pass through the waters and when the waters get high, I will not drown. You remind me, God, that when the fires get hot, I will not burn up. I will not be set ablaze. Why? Because I am yours. So, God, I praise you in the fire, in the flood, on the mountaintop, in the valley, in between. God, I praise you. Help me, God, to praise you always with my life and with my lips. Let it be the overflow of my heart. God, if there's anyone here today who is suffering right now, let them pray. Let them worship. Father God, don't let them set tent up and camp out in the suffering and in the pain and in the bitterness and in the heartbreak and in the heartache. Father God, give it to you. Let them give it to you and then get up. Turn. And God, may you turn that downcast face into a face of joy. May you take that heart that is broken and put it back together and let it be a heart that rejoices. 1 Samuel 2, chapter, chapter 2, verse 1. Let our life, let our lips praise you, even in this moment. Father, there may be someone here today who's never been able to praise you because they've never known Jesus personally and intimately as Messiah, as Lord, as Savior. Father God, I pray today would be a day of salvation. No more running, no more searching, no more chasing. Father God, let Jesus meet them face to face where they are and let Jesus change their heart. And God, for Christ followers in this room, I pray right now that we would have some King Kong worship and some King Kong praise. God, let it be unleashed right now. Nothing holding back. This is for you. Amen.